I wanted to start off today's episode. Um, I, I wasn't going to. I was going to wait for a bit, but no, sod it. Uh, I wanted to start off today's episode with a bit of a warning for people. Um, I was talking to uh, a guy the other day who was a reader. I don't just mean he reads books. He actually reads <laughs> manuscripts that come in from authors for a pretty big publishing company. And he said, because I, I said we were doing these podcasts and, you know, what you could talk about. And the first thing he said was, tell people not to write expletive zombie stories anymore. Aww. Zombies have been in popular culture for, well, I mean, in popular culture for a very long time. But they've been so prevalent in popular culture right now that so many people are getting scripts for them. They're just dismissing them out of hand. So if you're serious about writing and you want to submit it to somebody and you want to go somewhere with it, don't think for this time, well, I've got the best zombie story, because right now it doesn't matter. You could have the the, the Shakespeare of zombie stories. I, I ooh, some, ooh, Shakespeare is a zombie. That'd be fun. You that could have fun. the Shakespeare of zombie stories. Out there, but it's not just not going to get read right now. So um, be aware of that before you start this is murdering a podcast i'm here with tash and we're going to talk about character creation straight after this welcome to murdering a podcast two writers journey to produce a narrative murder mystery I'm, I'm very disappointed that we're not going to get any new zombie films for a while well you will you'll get loads of them because people are still making them but the the difference is they're the, it's a studio or it's a, a publisher going to an already known author going we want this sort of story which is different from if you're submitting a manuscript to somebody going this is how I can write this is what my writing is and it's difficult enough to get on in television and radio especially now where because the, the route into radio for people like me was programs like Weekending um, and they, there was another one, News Cut, no, News something or other, um, which I've forgotten the name of, uh, which is terrible. Uh, but that used to be on, and it used to accept unsolicited material. And that mm. was the way to get in. You get some unsolicited material on, they get to know you a bit more, and then they will solicit the material that they want. Yeah. Um, but right now, the the places that you're going to, you, you're able to send these things to, unsolicited things are finding so many zombie things and they're, they're just getting <laughs> thrown out which is terrible really um yeah. so well, there's never enough zombie movies as far as i'm concerned so. oh i hate them i genuinely I hate them, them. I've, I've, I've never i Zombies love the romero stuff <laughs> i love the romero <laughs> stuff but there's been so many of them right now i'm, I'm getting i mean i've I stopped watching them ages ago um i stopped watching <laughs> walking dead after a couple of episodes because oh, it just it's it's just too predictable. I've got to I've got to sit and start that one again because like I I kind of stopped for a while and I've lost track of where the plot is and I've got to I've got to get back to it and I want to watch it because I've invested so much time in it. I do like zombies. If there are any gorgeous you know mask lesbians out there who are obsessed with zombies, werewolves, and mass murderers, please you know this, let this us know. This isn't a dating app, you know. I know, but <laughs> I can still try. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're talking about characters. So um, we both have different points of starting, don't we? We do. Actually, I was going to ask um, to you, mm -hmm. what characters stand out most for you in terms of modern fiction, any fiction, 
What what the the ones that you go? Oh yeah, that's a that's a brilliant character. That's something. That's. Um, oh God. Um, it's a difficult question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my brain's kind of going through a. Th- I mean, Hannibal Lec- Lecter is mm. is one of the best characters. It's one of my favourite sort of films. Silence of the Lambs, anyway. Dexter but, as well, just as... I oh, he's I, amazing. The, the New Blood was brilliant. It was a really, really good series. I not, it won't spoil it, it for anybody, but it is mm. well worth a watch. If you haven't read the books for Dexter, I would recommend that you read them because they are so yeah. different to the shows. And the character in there is even better because you get to see it from inside his head. Um, I so suppose you, you see all of it more. from inside his head, not just oh, the, the, yeah. the narrated bits and things. Yeah. Mm, and you really get an idea because he calls it the dark passenger in his head. Yeah. And you get some of these little clips. Oh, he does in, in the, the show as well. In the show. Yeah. You, you hear him talk about it in the show, but it goes much more and it, it's much, much darker in the mm. in the books. But his character is, I mean, the, the what's his name? Michael something. Michael C. Hall. Michael he C. Is, Hall. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's such a good actor. I love that man. He's brilliant. Absolutely oh, brilliant. He was in it, a thing called, I think it was called Safe, or was it and Slap? Six Feet Under. Six safe feet and under, Six Feet Under. Yeah. Safe, safe was, was really, really good, and he was the I person who made it. I have, Did, to didn't watch. You? It, I have it, to watch it. Yeah, I, it's one of those things I think you've got to sort of force yourself to watch all in one go. But he was mm. the person who made that series for me. Yeah. I, I He's such a good actor. He went from... So you've got the three very, very different characters that he plays. You've got his character in Six Feet Under. He plays a very, very, very camp gay man <laughs> in that. Um, and he's very, very funny and he's got yeah. that comedy edge. And then you sort of go to Safe and it's a very serious role. Um, and he's the he's the dad, if I remember rightly, because I haven't mm. seen it all. I've only seen a few episodes. Um, and then you go over to Dexter and he's a psychopath. And he does it so well and they are you don't he's he's kind of like certain there are certain actors that when they they create a character i mean gary oldman is is the the epitome of like uh, just so many different faces there's Mm. films that he's been in that i didn't even realize it was him because he's that good at creating such a different character every time and then there's other characters um where you kind of look at them and, and you only identify the like um I'm going to use Daniel Radcliffe as a really good example because he's kind of broken out of the Harry Potter sort of character. But when he first started doing stuff outside of Harry Potter, and I think it was one about a doctor who was addicted to heroin, and that was the first thing I saw of him outside of Harry Potter. And it took me a couple of episodes it, to get my head. Oh, isn't in, it? Seeing somebody is so yeah. connected with a particular character moving somewhere. I think this is why um, sometimes people who've been the doctor have a problem or mm. obviously not david tennant he seems to be in no because it's david tennant i mean come on done really well but um certainly uh some of the old older doctors in the 80s and 90s i think were probably passed over because oh but they were they were the doctor yeah um, which, but this is the thing i mean I've got to give credit to Daniel Radcliffe because he's pulled that out. I love Daniel Radcliffe, by the way. I think he's a brilliant human being. Um, he can laugh at himself and that, that you know, he is such a good good actor. He's He went from being a young kid who really didn't know what he was doing and he's now developed into this brilliant actor. Mm-hmm. And like I say, mm-hmm. it took me a couple of episodes, but he's now finally broken out of that Harry Potter-esque sort of, you know, 
vibe that he has whenever yeah, you don't yeah. see him now and go oh it's harry potter you kind of go oh that's daniel radcliffe um but i think it's quite hard for for, for actors to do but you've got people like um gary oldman michael c hall who can go from one character to the other and you don't see their previous character you see their yeah. new character because they just mm. change everything about it and i think well this is relevant for creating characters because the actors are a massive part um and you know, such an important part in creating those characters, particularly yeah. for the for the way I write. I, I think they are. When you get to the point where it's like it's, it's in somewhere, it's on something, and it's doing something, then yeah, the the things that the actors can bring to a, a character are amazing. But the stuff that you're going to need to include as a writer, you're mm. going to have to have these ideas as a writer, even if that gets developed later on. Something I think is quite important if you're talking about character is that. Whatever you write, if you're writing for performance, you have to be able to let that go and have an actor sort of take it in a different direction. Because yeah. time and time again, you're not in control of a production. You're just sat there being the writer. And so mm. either the producer or the director or the actor themselves will go, but I need to do this. Um, that's that's why you get writers who are the who are showrunners because they have ideas about characters and they know the ways that they're, that they're going to fit together. But uh, when you don't have that, you've got all of those other competing um, personalities to deal with as well, and that can be uh, that can be a, a sort of another challenge. Going back to basics, then, what's what's your starting point for character? Where did you first? Um, I, I wanted to sort of point out, oh, well, this character, but we can't really do that right now because nobody knows. We'll what start the with Max. Are, so. We'll start with with Max okay. Powers because yeah, okay. she's 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 in my head. She is my alter ego. So. <laughs> um, we use yeah, we can use her as a I think as a template for for talking about this. Um, well, first of all, I'll start with a name. Once I've got a name, that tells me more than I think anything else can. So with that for me is the most important thing. Um, and I start with a name and then I have a quick sort of sentence of what they are and who they are. That mm. inevitably gets thrown away and changed completely. Um, but I will then start writing a character dossier and I focus on the psychology of it all. And if you really want to understand people, and there's a good book, some good books to, to recommend. No, that's not the one. That's my notebook. Is... Um, <laughs> There is someone called Chase Hughes. He is a behaviour profiler. You've mentioned him before in our meetings mm. and things, but yeah, okay. That, that's... Um, he's, he's written a book called The Six Minute X-Ray, uh, Rapid Behaviour Profiling. And it really goes into how people view the world and into the psychology of it, laws of behaviour. And then it goes into things like how people speak and how individual speech patterns work and how you can understand people through that. Now, you're not going to become an expert profiler doing that, but having a basic understanding of how people think helps helps me personally create those individual characters. And you can use different combinations mm -hmm. um, to create very, very unique characters. So that's generally where I start is the psychology, their history. And I think, who are they um, on a very basic level? How do they view other people? Um, what? Because he says there's three type, there's three pronouns that people will talk with. So you've got the I pronoun, I did this, I did that, I did this. Mm -hmm. Me, my, me, myself, and I's. Then you have the team pronouns, we, we, us, them, they, that type of stuff. And then you've got the other pronouns, it, that, the company. So 
And if you really listen to people, you can hear those differences in in, in their speech patterns. Um, so I start with things like that. I start with what motivates them. I start with what their locus of control is and things like that, their decision maps, you know, um, their, their needs based on the Maslow hierarchy. Um, this is where I go nerdy. Um, <laughs> and, and it literally is just a form that I created in Word with drop downs that I can select things from, which I've pre-entered. And I, I change every time I'm creating a character, I change something in it because I kind of go, oh, I could do with that information. I look at the hobbies and the jobs because that tells me a lot about who they are and their skill sets and stuff. Um, and then I sort of have a rough idea of what their storyline is. So I write in their conflicts, so their personal conflicts within that story. Um, and then just write a couple of things on the on on the the storyline. And then once I start, once I've done that, I put that aside, start writing, throw away everything I just wrote because then the characters just create themselves and then start again, usually, you know, just edit the character profile because after the first episode or as, you as know, you first go time I use, yeah. Oh, I'm changing like, this. I'll go and change it in the character profile. Yeah, because this yeah. is the thing. I mean, when if you if you're a writer, any writer will get this. Everybody else thinks you're insane. The characters sit in your head. You create character, and it, 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 it you create this thing in your head um, that you kind of and they talk to you. They do. Every writer I know, so, well. Some don't, but most of the writers don't that I know say that say to a therapist because they think talk to you. Yeah, it it no, it, you get it, diagnosed it really with shit otherwise. But, <laughs> you say that to a therapist. You, that, that's, you know. that's because you you understand that character to a yeah. certain to such an extent that you can uh, you you recognise how they would react to something. Mm. Um, so I go on. You you were saying you you as you're doing it, you're. Um, yeah, my character sort of changes. So I'll kind of, I, they kind of take on a life of their own and then the characters will write the stories for me. So I will, as I'm writing, I might write a page with that character and I go, right, okay, I need to change this in their character profile to accommodate what I've just written because that's who they are. That's who their voice is. So the first thing is I start with the name. Then I look at the psychology of that character, you know, a bit of history, conflicts and things like that. Get a few secrets. I like a few little secrets they want to keep because um, that helps with the storylines and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I start working on their voice. And once I've got their voice, that then sort of moulds everything else into place. But, yeah, I start with a character dossier, which is something that I created myself. That's that really a interesting. Long answer because, for a very no, short... no, it's it's very co comprehensive um, without actually telling anybody how to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. By our latest product. That. Yes. No. Um, it's very interesting. You say you start with a name, mm. because I do as often. I I will, but the name will also inform something that I'm already thinking about this character. This sort of proto idea of what a character is. So with Peregrine, I knew he had to be essentially Sherlock Holmes, mm. and that was already in my head before the name. But I think the name also then informs what you can do with that character. Does that make yeah. sense? Because that doesn't yeah, seem to absolutely. make sense in my head. <laughs> but if you're not from, a writer, it probably won't. But as well, a writer, no. well, yes, there you it go. does. It absolutely from, makes sense From there on, I get whatever comic foil it is, his, his, his point of view, which is really important. Uh, it's the basis for absolutely everything. What... It, you just need to have to find the conceit at the center of a character. Yes. And then you can tell, it doesn't matter what situation it is, you know what that character would say in that situation. 
So as soon as I've got the the name and the foil, and often the archetypal, sometimes even stereotype for it, depending on what the character is and what they're doing, then that's it. You've got a character. You've got something that, that you can you can play around with, and it grows from there. But it doesn't it doesn't have to be. You know, I don't have to to, to do all of the rest of the stuff. Uh, mm. But I will make notes on things if, if less so for a sitcom because you reset everything at the end of the of the episode. But um, for uh, a uh, if you were doing a drama, if you were doing something which had a massive arc to it, you, at that point I'd sort of make a note. Go, okay, episode one, I've just done this and that, and he needs to know this because yeah, otherwise you, you need to keep track of that stuff. I tend to do the arcs. You tend to do the episodic, don't you? Well, it's um, it, it's just the way well, that these, the sitcom, these particular, particular things particular one, have yeah. worked out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I that's why I tend to go into more details because I'm I'm doing episodic and series arcs that kind of various different lengths arcs throughout the 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 series. When we talk about structure, we'll go into that a little bit because we have very different ways of approaching because we're writing very different styles of of things what i would say is there's a series of books that i would recommend if you're mm-hmm. looking for information on your characters and they are the, it's a thesaurus series by angela ackerman and becca puglisi i hope i pronounced their names right and if the authors are listening i'm sorry <laughs> if i haven't um but it's 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 help, writers helping writers and they've got a whole host of books and the one that i'm holding at the moment is the the emotional wound thesaurus um, but there's things like positive traits, negative traits, occupations, um, settings, and it's I've looked at those. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've not actually read any of them, but uh, mm. I use them as references for more than more than anything. And there's right, one more conflicts right. and stuff. So yeah. I use those for reference points, so that you can then build things like their 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 foibles, their wounds, their the things that are really good about them, and that then helps me to go into what you're saying when when we do what you do is is then you get to know them in that way and then create that sort of yeah, character and because, that knowledge. And because all drama and all comedy, really, um, not that the two are so particularly dissimilar that you'd need to break them up like that, but they, it all comes from conflict. So if you haven't mm. got characters who have that conflict in some way, and I think, again, this is one of the things I think people get wrong, that conflict doesn't have to be two people who are at each other's throats all the time. Mm. Um, I've seen people who've written script and that's all it is. And it, it can be good, it can be very funny, it can be very dramatic, especially if they're people who are stuck in a, a situation like, you know, stuck in a cell in a police station for the night and you've got these two characters and they hate one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, that It's a great starting point for a, for a thing, whether that's a drama or a comedy. I tell you what's interesting actually. Um, to see the difference between the, the the two, but to look at the Fresh Prince of Bel Air from the nineties, mm. and look at the new version of it Ooh, from now, which is uh, on Sky TV or Now TV. I don't know where it is if you're in the states, but it's in uh, you know it's a it's a brand. It's available right now. So the difference is that. And this is all. But I was. Some people have asked before. What's the difference between a drama and a comedy, or what's the difference between a comedy and a comedy drama? Um, and a lot of people think that a comedy drama is just a comedy that's longer. But hmm. 
my feeling of it has always been that a comedy drama is something that puts the drama first, even mm. though it has lighthearted elements in it. So something like Detectorists, even though it's only a half hour show, it's it's a drama first, and yet it's got some wicked comedy in it. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic, very well thought out comedy in it. Um, and you don't want to take that away, but but it really does focus on the drama elements first. Whereas something like uh, One Foot of the Grave constantly talk about that this is one of my three top sitcoms of, of all time ever um it is a comedy <laughs> first because even though it's got some truly dramatic moments in it wonderful bits of pathos wonderful moments where you uh, you love those characters so much and they, they're going through something and you really feel the things that they're they're feeling the most important thing is the laugh in all of those 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 scripts, so so that really that's the only difference is the way that you approach it, what you what what you're looking at, and the same thing for a character. If you're going to write mm. a dramatic character, and this is what happens in, in in Fresh Prince, the choices that they make because they're focusing on the drama in the new series means that one of the things that they show is the basketball game where he gets. Uh, if you if you're original if you're a fan of the original if you saw the original the basketball game only existed yeah. in the original in the opening because as a comedy it would be too much to put it in there it's yeah. too much of a of a um a dramatic moment to put in there it's you're not playing it for laughs enough as a drama it's vital to put it in yeah. there it's really really important and I think there's there's something that popped to mind is Studio Ghibli or Ghibli Ghibli Ghibli. I can never get I, I, I say Ghibli. Studio Giblets. You take Giblets. them out and then you cook them separately, and <laughs> to make a whole new <laughs> studio out of them later on. <laughs> um, studio uh, Ghibli or Ghibli. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. I Ghibli. Think, I'm going to call it Ghibli. I think. I yeah. Fine. It. I thought it was Ghibli. Was it Ghibli? But I have no Ghibli. idea. We'll, go, we'll no call idea. it Ghibli. If, if anybody wrong, knows, write yeah, it in the comments us. below. But don't just write the name again because that's not helpful. <laughs> write it phonetically. Yes. Um, so, Through a window. Yes. <laughs> Studio Ghibli do this brilliantly because they, you know, they've got, depending on which cartoon, you know, the, the, if you don't know who Studio Ghibli is, look it up because it is an amazing, they are amazing storytellers and they are amazing at creating characters. Uh, one of my favourites is Howl's Moving Castle because just the characters in it and, and my favourite one is a fire is the fire is my favourite character. They turned a flame into a character and he is the best character. Um, but yeah, so they've they 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 managed to balance this comedy and conflict. And some of the some of the stuff is really funny, but some of it like grave one that I haven't watched is is, is Grave of the Fireflies, and because I've been told don't unless you're in a really sort of good headspace. I saw that when it, it first came out. Completely destroy your mood. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> it's it one of those films of a... like Requiem for a Dream where you go, I'm glad I watched it, but I never want to see it again. Oh, like Antichrist. It was Antichrist, the Lars von Trier film, and it's one of those films where. You watch it because because of who made it, and then you kind of wish you hadn't. Mm. It's it's not a. There's I mean, a lot it's, of film, it's a like, good film. There's a lot of good yeah. is in it in terms of sort of the technical merits of creating a film. But dear God, just in the opening minutes of that film where a baby dies, it's just 
Yeah, there are films like that. I mean, I'd say Requiem for a Dream, One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest, um, and Oddly Watership Down. I don't know. I could could watch One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest. Misery, perhaps, is... Oh, no, I can see. I can watch that over and over. But One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest, um, because it's, you know, those ones for me are ones that I can watch. I'm so glad I watched them. They are incredible films, incredible storytelling. Mm. But I never, ever want to see them again because they are disturbing (laughs) and they... Fluffed up oh, my head. Yeah, there are films the like that. Suspiria yeah. is one of, is a film a bit like that. Even the, the remake as well, which mm. incidentally one of the few films where you've got a remake which is as good as the original. If not, it, yeah. I don't think it's better, but it's as good as. Um, but yeah, it's sort of just coming back to the sort of Studio Ghibli things. A really good example is My Neighbor Totoro. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you have to. You just have to because it is one of the most beautiful films. And when people say what happens in it, you go, kids get in a cat bus and go on an adventure yeah, and that's it. it. Yeah. There's no conflict, no real conflict that you would recognise as conflict. But there is. Yeah. And it's not a standard story. It's just a really nice film. That's yeah. it. It's just a beautiful storytelling, beautiful characters. And the characters are so good. Um, it, you know, the, the, they're solid. The way they create these characters, like you've got Totoro, who doesn't speak. He just goes, wow. And yeah, he's got this beautiful, you, you know who Totoro is and you really feel like you know these characters. Ghibli is just such a, so good at creating these characters. Um, and And having people in their universes, cartoon characters that you just fall in love with. Um, you know, Howl's Moving Castle being, again, like I say, my favourite, um, with, you know, you've got Howl and his, again, you have proper character development throughout it. You see the characters grow. You starts off as this selfish person and then ends up being actually quite a nice person by the end. Mm. I'm not going to tell you much about the rest. Um, you've got Sophie who, you know, s- starts off being this wimp and then grows and becomes strong by the end. And you just see these beautiful developments, these beautiful characters. So Mm. if you really want a good example of of character development, watch anything by Studio Ghibli. But obviously with Grave of the Fireflies, please be aware that you have to have a certain headspace (laughs) to watch it. Otherwise it will break you. you. Yeah, and a large quantity of (laughs) tissues. um, Because there will be snot and tears and Um, oh that's my stomach. My cat has just walked straight across my bladder. Earthsea is is worth watching. Oh. It's one of the only editions uh, of Wizard of Earthsea, which is an Ursula Le Guin books, uh, that I think they've done well. And there's been like two or three different uh, attempts at adapting it in the past, but um, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, well, See, we'll it's our, that's something I want to watch. I haven't seen. Um. It's Earthsea. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I'm going to have to watch that now. I'm expecting um, at some point Amazon or Netflix to go, we're going to do a series of it, because yeah. why wouldn't you? But, uh, yeah. So we've talked um, a bit about uh, how characters can sort of differ from one another and the idea about having a a, a sort of lens that you're seeing your characters through. Mm -hmm. One of the problems I've seen a lot of people come up with is how to get 
characters that sound different that that are are you unique that aren't uh so you know it i, I guess say you were writing an, an action movie and you have it full of full of of people um the, the full of cops who will speak exactly the same way or, or full of uh the people in the army and they all work exactly the same way how can you make sure that even though you've got characters who were set in certain situations who are um essentially um uh the same broad brush uh, that you're still giving them unique perspectives and unique voices. Um, I mean, mine, mine is personally is, is speech patterns. Um, right, right. So, referring back to the book, the six minute X ray that I mentioned previously, um, when you listen to people speaking, everyone has their own speech pattern. Everybody has their own rhythm. Everybody mm -hmm. has particularly words that they use. They use like um, positive and negative adjectives. Um, and it's going to differ from one person to another. Um, for me, if a combination of things like, as I mentioned before, the, the three the three key pronouns in which people speak. So you've got the me, myself and I's, the teams and then the, the other. Combine that with your adjectives and things like your your needs, your primary needs and secondary needs, plus your decision map that actually gives you a really comprehensive voice for your character. So you mm. might have a character that, that speaks in terms of team. Um, so they'll say we, us a lot. Talking to a character who talks in terms of me, myself and I, and they'll say I, me a lot. Um, character A might be using uh, positive adjectives like amazing, fabulous, fantastic. But the other person might be things like... Um, oh, just God, I'm trying to think of adjectives off the top of my head now. Um <laughs> you know, great, brilliant, wonderful. Right. And that changes the tone. Like super you know. smashing great. Like um, Yeah, super smashing great yeah, yeah. versus awesome, fabulous. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then with things like the needs um, and your, your so again, a needs-based thing, you've got your, depending on that person's key needs, that will come out in their speech patterns. So if somebody is somebody's need is to be accepted into society, then that's where their focus of their, their language is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to be focused on telling you about all the things that they've done that is acceptable society, socially. Mm. Um, and then, you you know, then you've got the secondary need. Um, so if their secondary need is, say, I don't know, strength, um, then a lot of the language they're going to use will be betraying strength and the, the fact that they are leader. Um, and then mm. you go on to your things like your decision map. So if somebody is 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 looking at novelty, and this is all in the six minute X rays, um, then they're going to be using different language than if somebody uses, um, say, for example, conformity as their their the reason why they make decisions in terms of what they do, what motivates them. Does does on, that on make the, sense? It kind of does. On the six minute X ray thing, just in case people are interested in the in the book at all, do the X rays actually take six minutes? Yeah. Or if they don't, is it because you then put extra stuff into it and you go, well, actually, I want to explore this a bit more? Well, the idea of the six minute x-ray is that um, you can find all the information out that you need to know about somebody in the first six minutes of your conversation. Mm. Okay. And uh, um, Sorry. 
No, no, go, no, go on. That's interesting. And it's a, it is a combination of um, it's when I talk about behaviour patterns, I'm talking about everything. I'm not yeah, just talking. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. when some people talk about they'll talk about deception detection. Well, it's actually no such thing as deception detection, but that's beside the point. It's stress detection. That's what that's what deception detection is. Okay. Really bothers no, me I, that people I, get this wrong. I, it's I, like I, saying I, dimension I, instead of reality. I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. So deception. So. A lot of people think about body language or micro expressions or yeah, yeah. this or that, but behavior patterns is all of these things, plus your speech patterns, plus which verbiage you use. And, and one of the things that um, that Chase uh, proposes is actually, whilst we have this this concept that I think eighty seven percent is nonverbal and this this tiny amount is is verbal, hmm. he thinks that actually there's more emphasis on the verbal in terms of the way we communicate, but just not the way we listen so we listen with 87 percent that's really interesting i wonder if but we communicate more like 30 to 40 percent verbal so it's like i can't remember his exact statistics it's all in here i but... wonder if there's a cultural thing in that as well you know because oh yeah uh, you know speech patterns and 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 stuff changes let's just say between america and britain there's mm. a lot of differences between the way that the communication happens even though we generally get on I, I, that's that's really interesting and it sounds like something uh that would be uh, a good book to have a look at so what i'll try and do uh is stick that in the show notes so if anybody's mm. interested in it uh then they can go and grab a copy for themselves um it really is a good book he's got another one called the ellipsis like manual it. which i haven't read yet but this one so it starts so you're going through things like the way people view because um, again, that's another thing in terms of how you might speak. Mm. Um, so you've got four, four ways, four lenses of seeing people. People are broken. People are different. People are facts, and people are reasons. Um, and that affects how you react to things. Um, and again, that's going to affect your character's voice and how they choose to react. And that gives you a, even more of a unique voice. So somebody who thinks people, I'm not going to go through it all. Buy the book if you want to know Buy more. Buy the book, yeah. Yeah. Um, Chase Hughes, if you are listening, I want commission. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the idea is if you see people as broken, see, you I feel the need to that fix. Chase Hughes was a bank. No. No, he's an expert profiler. <laughs> he, he, he teaches, like, some of the but stuff if, that he's done is just incredible. If somebody told you Chase Hughes was a bank, you'd mm. believe them, wouldn't you? I would, I would, yeah. yeah. But I'd also love him to be on this show and talking about character, like <laughs> psychology. Um, it's, no, it's weird. And, and it's one of those things that I think that as as writers you will get you you, you just get interested in because suddenly you have to answer questions that you don't. You, that, that's not a normal thing. Who is this person? Is not a normal thing to mm. to answer. It's not something that we have a lot of practice with. Um, well, if if someone says to you, "Who are you? What's your personality? Describe your personality." It's it's actually a really hard question yeah, to go. Yeah, uh, I'm a twat. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's a hard thing to and trying to do that for other people. That's that's. That's even mm. harder, creating these, yeah, these yeah, characters yeah. and describing. Yeah. So this is why I make it up as elements of things. So, for example, I was saying about people who view people as broken with these four lenses. Um, if you view people as broken, you're you're going to want to fix them. So this is the example he gives in the book is you're driving along. If you view people as broken, somebody cuts you up, you're going to get really pissed off because you want to fix that situation. You want to be you, F, you. B yeah, C D yeah, E F U. Yeah. Um beautiful song, brilliant song. Um but um and you'll 
the sky will turn blue because you want to fix that situation because you want to get your own back. People are, and then going across to the other end where people are reasons, it's like, ah, you have a reason to behave like that. And if I can understand that, I can understand you, you can understand. and then I can mm. understand and try and navigate that better. Mm. Um, mm. And you've got the two in between. People are, um, people are, oh, Fudge <laughs> McGee's. Um, I'm doing well. So I'm going to get creative with my words whether I'm not allowed I, to swear. I think that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, people are different. People are facts. Um, right. You know, people are facts. Can't change. Right. That is who they are. Right. Never can't change its spots. That type okay. of thing. So, and you're going to react differently depending on how that how you view people. So I think that's quite an important thing in terms of... of um, it's it's a really, really interesting way of, of, of sort of approaching character development which mm. I mean, it's completely beyond what i i would do for me a character isn't there until you've got this voice in your head mm. you know that's that um, tends to be how that, I create. that is that is all you kind of need to to give it a um a push in the right direction i suppose um, yeah it's um but that's the type of stuff I include in the character dossiers that I write. So I was just making, making, finishing my tea. I had to put milk in it. I have two cups of tea whilst I'm doing this. Um, so you explain but, the tea stuff because that because it's right. it's just it's weird. It's just weird. I am absolutely obsessed with tea. Right. I have a tea corner which has got large quantity of loose leaf um, breakfast teas. It's not the flowery stuff. Just like proper loose leaf breakfast tea of different different. There's hundreds of different types of. Black tea, hundreds, right? Um, I've got about ten or eleven, and this is why I have no money. And the so what I do is with the loose leaf, it takes about five minutes to brew. So I've got my crappy tea bags. Well, they're not that crappy; they're good tea bags. But I'll make a cup of tea to drink whilst my other tea is brewing. There you and I've go. I just finished my my pre-brew tea, and now I'm on my brewed tea and my my Assam, which is this particular one. Who knew there was hmm? so much with tea? There's I not. Just, it's just this weird. This isn't just a British obsession. This is just you, isn't it? This is, yeah, yeah. I mean, the British are obsessed with tea, but like completely. In, in that we do have we do have tea shops, much like people have have coffee shops, where there's not not the sort of coffee shop like Starbucks or or something, but a shop where you can buy a lot of different beans, coffee beans. We have whole shops with tea like that. Hmm? It's, tea makers um, of London is the one I use. Yeah, they sell uh, yes. a whole host of loose leaf and tea bagged tea. What was the place I went to recently? I can't remember, but yeah, there was a very good one, and it sold lots of loose leaf uh, tea. Very nice in mm. Cheltenham. If, yeah, if you ever go to Cheltenham, tea, tea, tea shop is probably that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so going back onto these characters, things. I mean, I think that's the thing. I think I think it's quite intimidating when you first start to try and create character. The hardest thing is actually coming up with a name for me. Um, <laughs> How do you, is there a process that you use to come up with? Because I know, well, you've used a lot of very, uh, well, a lot of puns uh, in, mm. in your nomenclature. Um, but I I did, I mean, I've, I just use silly things that I think are silly, which is why he's called Windsor Castle. Mm. Um but it, there's oh, no real thought behind it other than, oh, that's a silly name. I've used some all, all sorts of things. So one of the first ones, um, I had a surname called Blaron, which is arse badger in French. Right. 
<laughs> it was just because I thought it was funny when it translated to English. Um, and one which was translated to um, a swear word. Right. Um, bon coup. Um, okay. If, uh, um, the only well, thing I've done something like that within mine is Leichenberg, which is corpse something or other. Corpse brother, probably not that. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's something to do with corpses because because she's a um, uh, what are those people working morgues? The, the mortician. Yep, that's the yeah. one. Coroner. <laughs> coroner, possibly. Yes, she's a yeah, scientist. She does the investigation she is, stuff. She, she is as coronary as you would get. No, that's a heart disease. Um, she's as much of a coroner as you would get <laughs> in a in our little eighteenth century world that we've created. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when it comes to the creating the names, it depends on what I'm writing. So yeah. in this particular thing, I'm trying to use as many innuendos as I can just because I want to make dick jokes. And then, um, you know, or generally penis jokes because they're funny. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'll use as many sort of innuendos or, or silly names like that as I can. Sometimes it's, it's um, oh, well, she's off again. <laughs> um sometimes it's using um you know i'll type something into google translate that's funny and then it, if it comes up with something that looks something like a good surname good. i'll use yeah. it yeah i always so. had problems when i was writing normal stuff you know not comic stuff because i i i wrote a name that i thought was was just normal and somebody would would say but you've put a load of silly names all the way through it and i had no idea why i still don't <laughs> sometimes you know you, I, I've used names from other people and they've gone, no, but that's just another silly name again. <laughs> and so, sometimes I suppose the real world is stranger than, than anything that you will come up with. Yes, I think we, yeah, we were talking about that last time, weren't we? But yeah, yeah it's, yeah. Um, but then, I, I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll Google a list of names um, and I'll look for the first name and then come up with a second name. Sometimes sure, sure. it's, it's takes on people like you've done that, that I know, but it entirely depends on what I'm writing to to how I go about thinking the names. I think that's yeah. the hardest part is once, but then once I've got the name, the rest I think is quite easy into because I think people, it's scary when you're trying to create a three dimensional character, and that was one of the that's one of the things that when I first started writing that I found hard. Yeah. was getting those unique voices. I wrote uh, the, my first play that I ever wrote was traffic cones and, and bank loans. And it was a student thing. It was terrible, sure. but it was, you know, but it, it was, was a my thing. first. It was it's, a thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's always difficult. The first um, one, you always yeah. look back on it and go, "Oh God, oh, did I do God, that?" But actually, yeah. it was a, it was a step. That, there is you've a video somewhere that. of it. It's, mm. Yeah, uh, I still got the script somewhere as well. I read like the first page and went, "Oh my I've God, this is got, awful." I still got the script <laughs> of Nigel somewhere, and that <laughs> was better than I ever produced it. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so with this, I, like the first time, the first script right, I had two unique voices, and the feedback that I got from the director that I was um, using for, to help me was because um, we were working with a West End director at that time to help us with with putting on sure. shows, <laughs> and um, you know, he said you've got two really unique voices, but you need to work on the third, and you need to find a way of creating that more unique voice. Mm. And that was that really stuck with me as a writer. So that's that's how I then started getting into a little bit more of the behavioral psychology and um, behavioral sciences 
when it comes to how people speak and how people act. Mm. Um, because your speech also changes when you lie or when you're stressed or when you're emotional. And that, that's sure. different for each person, um, sure. which is why there's no such thing as deception detection. Because um, because everybody's slightly different. Yeah. There are certain yeah. things that are universal, okay. but there are certain things that is cultural, certain things that are the idioms to you. Um, and the more, the more I sort of learned, the, the better... I was then able to sort of envisage characters and the better I was able to create unique unique scripts. And most of the uniqueness comes in the editing. So when I first, the first few, because my editing style is very systematic generally. So right. the first first time I write it, it's just getting words on a page so that I've got mm. something. It's easier to yeah. write when you've written. It's yeah. it's easier to write when you're, you're not looking at a black page. So it's, I tell you, one of the things I found easier about editing, and I again, we'll probably do a whole episode of not two or three on an editing process because we'll be going through it six times each with our own scripts. Mm. Um, one of the things I've, I've found really useful is that um, you've made the mistake. You can suddenly see the mistake. Whereas as you're writing it, you just, you need to get what's in your head out. There's two hats. You've got your writer's hat and your and the editor's, editor's hat. One. You write yeah. with your heart, you edit with your head. That's yeah. how I got taught. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I systematically edit. So the first time I edit, I look for one thing. So mm. it might be the character's voices. It might be, I do that last usually. So um, <laughs> that one's, so the first thing is, is sort of cutting out any of the spraff. And then I go on to um, sort of just structure and then making sure it all makes sense, making sure that what I'm getting out is I want to do. Then I do the comedy. Then I do the characters. Then I do a final edit just to tidy it all up with spelling, grammar. Um, because, sure, again, sure. grammatical errors when you're writing a script, because gram grammar rules don't apply necessarily when you're writing a script. With speech, because, no. No, of course. Um, some of course. people will be gra grammatically correct. Some people won't. I, I think most people won't be grammatically correct for... Not most of the time, but, you know, people do, like I'm doing right now, they will start a sentence and then stop and then start another sentence. And it, it's something that if you can work that out in the way that you're writing your character, then suddenly you've got a character trait for them that mm. is, um, we don't see a lot, is fairly unique. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, things like listening to the way that other people speak. Um, and you can do that by watching TV or listening to radio or sitting in a park and listening to what other people are saying. Be careful of doing that. There are laws. Um, well, what I used to do is when I used to, I'd go, I'd go for a cup of tea somewhere and I'd take my writer's notebook. Always have a writer's notebook if you're a writer so that any observations or, you make of human behaviour and interactions you can write down or any ideas or you modern have. modern day phone, notepad on a phone, something, yeah. anything, as long as, you, as long as you can get that, that stuff down. Good old fan of pen and paper, I am. Um, that's usually where my first draft comes, is, is in a pen and paper. Tell you it, what, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a little known that you can get apps which will turn your handwriting into just written text, into, no, into computer text. Mm. And those are really useful because you can make notes in a more traditional way. You use a pen with your phone or something. Um, and yet you get it in a format that you can then put onto your computer or uh, play around with in, in an, uh, uh, an editing program of some description, whatever you want, Word or, you know. But does it give me the excuse to buy loads of notebooks? No, no, that's the well, one thing. Well, there you go, then that's the problem. <laughs> I can't, it's not giving me an excuse to buy lots of notebooks and pens. That's, that's, I love stationery. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's 
probably more to do with anything. <laughs> but it's a good app. We we <laughs> for are other people who aren't weird. <laughs> we are, I'm afraid, coming to the end of today's podcast because we do limit mm. ourselves uh, for sanity reasons and sanitary reasons as well. Yeah. Uh, so if you would uh, like to, please do get in touch. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, the podcast, hear any other episodes and things like that, go to murderingapodcast.com. You will find all of the information there uh, that you know. Um, if you would uh, like to comment on this, let us know. Uh, have you got any fun character names that you've created that you want to share? Tell us if you uh, uh, want, you know, how do you create your characters? Is there something that we haven't mm. mentioned that you think would be uh, worth us uh, doing another? The podcast on because we don't have to do just one podcast often uh if you've got your own razor uh, ringing um yeah, that's my phone farting <laughs> way in the background um, uh, let us know right. uh, ah, let us know how you plan your characters uh, but for this particular episode <laughs> thanks ever so much you, for coming along i think it would be a really Go good on. idea at some point for us to do a competition for someone to come up with a really cool for, for character names for a show and that we and, have to and we, are, work we on. have to put it in there yeah yeah i think that's and we a, have that's to write idea. the show based that's off the character idea. names um at some point maybe not now but at some point maybe I not today maybe, maybe not, not tomorrow, tomorrow but soon and on a podcast near you we'll see you all next time folks thanks for coming along yes. bye-bye Bye. i have a cat's bum in my face that was Murdering a Podcast, and if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening.